Welcome to the Breakthrough Zone, where lives are transformed one breakthrough at a time. Now, here's your host, internationally recognized coach and author, John Page Burton. Hey, good morning. Great to be here in the Breakthrough Zone. We're really excited. Today, we've got a very special guest. Not only is he a good friend of mine, but someone I have a tremendous amount of respect for. He, uh, I'm going to let me tell your story here, his story here in a minute, but uh, kind of the short version is grew up in Wisconsin, came out to the University of Arizona, played football, went on to have a five-year career in the NFL, has been in the title industry for as long as I've known him. But uh, just a great guy, and I want to welcome to the Breakthrough Zone this morning, Mr. John Kaiser. John, welcome to the uh, to the show. Thanks, John. Great to be here. Appreciate it. Appreciate so, the invite. Absolutely. So, you know, I've known you a long time, and I'm sure that uh, today I'm going to learn more about you, right? Absolutely. I, so you came to Tucson in, what, 1984 to play at the U of A? No, it was uh, 1982. 1982. So mm -hmm. you graduated in 84. And how'd you get here? I mean, how'd you get out to the University of Arizona of all places? You grew up in Wisconsin. I don't know if you, your town even had a street light, did it? No, it did not. It had two stop signs. Two stop signs. From a town of less than 300 people, but went to a bigger <laughs> high school. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't really recruited very heavily out of high school. So uh, my brother Jim was in California, looked up some junior colleges and uh, headed out to near Fresno, Visalia. California, College of Hoyas, and then I was recruited very heavily and went to pick the U of A. Right. So you came out here, and you played back then. You played under Larry Smith. Absolutely. Yep. What was that like? What were your U of A football days like? Oh, it was wonderful. You know, it was, uh, we were a really good team my senior year. Uh, we got third in the nation. Uh, we had a lot of talent. A lot of guys played in the NFL. Um, we beat, you know, when I was there, we beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, uh, beat UCLA. We beat all the big boys. Wow. So that, that's that's back in uh, U of A glory days. Absolutely. Wow. So you guys beat Notre Dame. Yep. Wow. That was UCLA. A, that, that was a fun one. My, I grew up near, near Indiana, so not too far away. And my parents drove down. First time they saw me play college ball, and it was a, it was a fun one. Really? Really? So I think you were telling me your high school football coach uh, made the trip down that day. So tell me a little bit about your, uh, your high school football experience and and what that was like for you growing up in a small town, and then all of a sudden, here you on the you're on this uh, this giant stage playing football at Notre Dame, and there's your high school football coach. What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, high school ball was fun. I mean, I never played tackle football until we got to high school because we didn't have it. It was always flag football for the elementary schools. So uh, learned to play tackle. Well, besides street ball tackle, but uh, went to Arrowhead High School, a uh, town nearby, and uh, loved it. Had a great experience. I was all. Conference in all city and all county and all state my junior and senior year. So really enjoyed it. And, you know, our coach, uh, when he, we brought up the Notre Dame game, first time he saw me play college ball, and my parents asked if he wanted to come down. I go, absolutely, love to go. And and I had a pretty good game. I was defense player of the game and had an interception and a couple big tackles. And my high school coach looked at my parents and said, wow, I never knew John was this good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> So that's one of those one of those 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 moments when you you find yourself on that stage, and you're starting to look back. Uh, you know, you're looking back over your, you know, your life. And at that point, it's not a long life, but I mean, certainly you're you're in your early twenties, and and you're looking back over it. And I mean, what are some of the? I always like on the show the breakthrough. I call it the breakthrough zone because we're always looking at. You know, we see people, and we're going to get to your NFL career here shortly, but. 
you know, you see people have success and, you know, we always think, you know, we talk about a lot on the show, you know, the overnight success that's really like 10 or 15 years in the making, right? Absolutely, yeah. So you're sitting there, you're, you're in your Notre Dame stadium. I mean, what's going through your head? I mean, it's got to be your parents are there, your coach is there. I mean, you're obviously thinking about the game, but there has to be some emotion that you're linking, you're anchoring to the experience. Yeah, I mean, when you first walk in the stadium, it's, you know, it's you're playing at Notre Dame, you know, it's TV, thing is on TV all the time, and uh, I always wanted to play there. And it's pretty cool. But once you start playing a game, you're playing a game. I mean, you got to be focused and locked in like anything in life. you got to be focused at what you do and locked in. And yeah. you really don't hear a lot of noise when you're playing, but when you're not playing on the sidelines, it gets loud. But it's, it's amazing how it just when you're locked in, you don't hear as much. Sure, sure. So you talk about focus. So, you know, you, you go on and, 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 and you focus. You go out, you play a little, you know, ball out. And first, I'm going to go back a little bit because you talked about going out. Your brother Jim's out in California. You play a couple of years of junior junior college ball, then you come to the U of A. What was the biggest like? What was the biggest transition you had to make at that point in your career, um, from going junior college ball, high school to junior college? Now you're at the U of A, U of A Division One. What were some of the biggest uh, biggest things you had to uh, really learn, and what did you learn about yourself then? You know, in, in junior college. Um... I didn't start the first two games because I was new. We had all the sophomores, a really good returning team, and uh, I had a great linebacker coach named Ken Elstleton. And uh, he taught me a lot. I mean, he, he taught me how to play football yeah. and taught me how to play hard and with your heart and your mind and technique and everything. So it's, you know, it's a lot of technique that you have to learn. And I remember uh, the first game I started was the third game against Bakersfield Community College. And all week long, you know, Coach Elstleton said, Johnny K, you turned on the light bulb. It clicked. And once it clicks in your head, because it, it takes time to develop and learn and focus. It's a whole new system, a whole new idea how to play football. And and I worked hard at it and watched a lot of film, and, and uh, it finally clicked. And from that point on, I was uh, fortunate enough to be, you know, second-team All-American and kind of pick a lot of colleges that I was fortunate enough to be offered to, you know, from Wisconsin and San Diego State and Arizona and so on and so on. And picked Arizona because I think it was a well besides the warmer weather than Wisconsin it was just a great family atmosphere coach Smith was like a second father to me and uh, you could tell he was always there for you and that's one of the reasons I picked Arizona so what was that relationship I mean we we fast forward some you know what 30 years later I mean maybe even a little bit longer than that what are some of the lessons that you learned from coach Smith that you carry with you today. You've had a successful career in the real estate world, title world. What are some of those lessons that you've you've carried with you? I mean, you wake up in the morning, you just know because of the time I spent with Coach Smith that shaped who you are today. Just to enjoy what you're doing and do, do your best. I mean, he was very goal-oriented, so it was always goals, 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 short-term, long-term, intermediate goals, and uh, kind of carries out throughout your life what you learned with that. Also, uh, I think every coach I ever played for always said, play hard and have fun. I think that's yeah. true in life, too. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. work, go to your job and work hard, but have fun doing it. If you don't enjoy it, find something else. Yeah, you know, over the years hanging out with you, that's something we've, we've done. I know you work hard, I work hard, but when we get together, we always have fun. And we just, uh, you know, we always say we never know where it's going to go exactly, but we always have fun doing it. And so, so then we fast forward. So how did you end up? getting to the NFL what, what was that process for you well through you know through your college you, you know it's a lot of time and you put in uh in the in the film room in the weight room uh you know I took film home 
I mean, yeah. you have to hone your skills, and uh, you have to do a lot of things that people don't know about. It's just not you go practice for two hours, and right. that's all it is. It's it's a lot of work in the weight room, a lot of work, you know, in the film room, uh, trusting your teammates. And uh, we had a great defense, and, and we all trusted each other. And uh, I was fortunate to be drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, that's where I went. And, and uh, what round were you in again? Sixth round. Sixth round. Wow. But I was drafted higher than Tom Brady. That's all I can say. There you go. That, there <laughs> you go. That's that's <laughs> that's 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 great. So when you go back, like when you go back in that time, and we, I want to, I want to get back into that process for a minute because, you know, we talk about success as a process and what that looks like, and I think the average person that goes out and watches, you know, a college football game on a Saturday or an NFL game on a Sunday, but there's a lot that goes into it. What were some of the things? Is let's go back to when you were a student athlete. What were some of the things as a student athlete that? Uh, a lot of people probably don't know happens behind the scenes unless they've had the opportunity to play play at that level. Sure, I mean it's uh, a lot lot involved. I mean you're a student athlete, so you got to go to class. We had study halls, we had tutors to help us keep our grades up, or if we had issues, you know we had someone to reach out to and help you out and you know get better that way. So it's the uh, the tools are there if you want them and take advantage of them. And I hopefully I took advantage of them and and uh, it's it's a lot of work. I mean. Get up in the morning, go to your class. Uh, then early, about 11.30, you have to be done because during the season, um, got to go and get treatment. You know, if you're injured or you're, you're always nicked up, so something's always going on for treatment, if it's ice or tape or whatever. And and then films for a couple hours and then on the field for a couple hours. And, you know, I took a lot of film home too. So I mean, Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's a lot of time and a lot of, I mean, we put in a lot of hours. It's, you know, it's 10, 10 to 12 hour job almost with going to class. Right, and then you play. We play once a week for a total total minute clock time of an hour, right? So yeah, all that work, right? Yeah, but it it pays off, and it's 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 a dude all over again. So you, you get to you get to Seattle first year in Seattle. So you've gone from you know playing ball in the town with two stop signs to junior college to the U of A, and now you're. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's less than 1% of all college athletes ever make it to the professional level in any sport. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to believe, huh? It's, but, you know, go, go, but going to college, John, is it's a privilege. You're getting paid to go to school and get, get go get your degree. I mean, it's crazy not to do it. That's what you're going there for. Right. You, you, don't, you don't know if you're going to get injured or if something's going to happen. Just get your degree. Yeah. Like you said, the 1% makes it, so 99% yeah. don't, so get a good, go get that. Yeah, I think it's pretty you know, it's pretty awesome. And on this show, we tend to, as every our listeners know, we tend to just kind of dart around a little bit. But I know last week we had a chance to spend some time in San Diego, and your daughter goes to school out there. She plays softball at the University of San Diego. It was awesome to get to see her play a couple games. But uh, what's that like as a father? I mean, I'm going to go back to Seattle, and then we're going to get to Buffalo. We're going to sure. move around the country here. But right now, we're going to go back to San Diego. What's that like? I mean, I was kind of watching you in the stands here, and I just – I know your pride for that for your daughter, but what's that like for you as a father to see your daughter play in D one D one softball? You know, very proud and excited for her. And I've I've always uh, told her kind of the same what my coaches do: play hard and have fun. Yeah. And she's probably got sick of hearing it, but that's what it's all about. You know, I'm more nervous watching her than I ever was playing because I have no control. Yeah. I can't control because wow. I I had control when I played. Yeah, uh, but I, I get more nervous, excited. You know, sometimes frustrated, sometimes excited. It, it's all the emotions you can think of. You know, the highs and the lows, and but just very proud of her and love her to death, and 
and it's great to see her grow as a woman. Yeah, she's amazing. She's an amazing kid. I've known her since she was, I don't know how old she was when I first met her, 11 or 12, maybe, maybe younger. I don't, I don't remember, but, but to see her and she takes, you know, you could tell that you guys have such a great relationship and she has tremendous respect for you. And, and it's really interesting how I go back to like our role models, right? So Larry Smith was a role model for you. In a lot of respects, you've been a, a, a role model for your daughter. And so I, I just, I always think that, that it's, it's fascinating how big role models are in our lives, right? So you could see, we talk about, like I had a guest on last week, we were talking about environment, right? You're, you're a product of your environment. But she was a product of, of your environment as well. She saw that you played in the NFL. She, you could talk to her. You could coach her. You could tell her what to expect. And I think a lot of a lot of things in society today, a lot of families, a lot of you know issues are around the fact that there's not that connectedness, right? There's not that role model that that's there for for not only for your kids but for for society in general. And I just think that that's you've obviously been a great role model for her, and she's a great kid. She also tell tell us tell us a little bit about the summer because I'm I'm really proud of her too, but. Where's, where's, where's she going this summer? What's she doing? Well, fortunately, she's been uh, in the Israeli national team the last uh, three years. Uh, they started out, started out about four years ago in Czech Republic. They used to take like 24th out of 26 teams or whatever it was. And the first year they took eighth. Uh, they found 13 American girls to help grow softball world in Israel. And uh, then they had COVID, of course. And last year they went to Italy and took fourth against the Czech Republic. So they played for a medal. Yeah. And they go back oh. this summer. They go to uh, Spain for the World Championships, and they're hoping to medal. I think they will. Yeah, so they, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. It seems like they have a. It seems like they have a really good. They have a really good team, and they, it's like everything else. It's that process. They keep getting better and better. Right? So, so we're going to go to Seattle now. So you get you get over to Seattle. You show up. Who was the coach in Seattle at the time? Chuck Knox. Chuck Knox. That's right. Hard Knox. Yep. And you had that. Uh, was that Jim Zorn or was that Dave Krieg or who what? were the? They were both there, but Dave was the starter by then. Jim was kind of played one year there, then he kind of got released, went to Green Bay. So it was, yeah. da- it was Dave Craig uh-huh. and uh, great teammates. I mean, so what was that jump like? I mean, now you're you're going from a Division One program, and now you're you're popping into the professional professional world. What was that like? I mean, the first time you walk in the locker room, it's like, wow, there's Steve Largent's locker, there's Kenny Easley's locker, there's all these great players that you've followed and watched. You're playing with them all of a sudden. It, it's a uh, it's a uh, exciting but intimidating you know because here I am am I good enough to be here but to be honest John I, I tell people this all the time they go what's the hardest jump high school to college was the hardest jump was it just because you go from you know playing against some really good players but to playing with great players and the speed of the Pac-12 or Pac-10 10 back then kind of we had a lot of speed a lot of NFL players so the speed of the game you're used to it by then so as the high school jump was a little bit harder in my mind just not talent wise but just the speed of the game because high school is quite a bit slower than right. college and pros. So now you're in Seattle. You're you're a professional athlete. This is your job. You're getting paid now to play football. It's not a scholarship. It's it's actual. You get a check every two weeks or however they do it, but you get a check every two weeks. Now you're in the NFL. Um, you know, tell me about what what was that experience like? What was what was it like the first time you ever stepped on the field in a Seahawks uniform, looked around and. I mean, for me, I would think I would be standing there going, holy, you know, wow. 
<laughs> yeah, the uh, well, it's kind of weird. The first game I actually played was the Hall of Fame game, so it wasn't a huge stadium in Canton, right. Ohio. Can, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it wasn't as big a stadium, but it was uh, pretty cool. You know, just net, the only game on TV and things like that, and and you know, just trying to prove yourself to to Seattle and the NFL that you belong. And uh, from there on, just you know, walking the stadium is the best thing in the world. Yeah, road or home, I, if you're being cheered or booed, yeah. it's, it's fun. You're there. You're there. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I loved getting booed and shutting them up when we beat them on the road. There you go. There you go. And again, it's that one less than one percent of all college athletes will ever play professional sports. So I mean, that is such a you know because I think what happens is that so many. I used to coach American Legion baseball in the summer, and we had some really good players. But I would see the parents, and they were already saw their kid in there, and he's going to cash the check and he's going to be driving a Ferrari. It's only a matter of time. And time and again, I saw those kids, the strangest things. I had a kid, he got a full ride to ASU. Uh, first year, he just blows his shoulder and he just never, never comes back. I think he got maybe to double a ball eventually, but just doesn't come back. And it's, you know, you see so many of those stories where, you know, this kid's an exceptionally great athlete, but just to get there, that process. So, who are some of your biggest, uh, like biggest support people in your life at that point in time? Now you're you're away from Tucson. You're in a brand new environment. Who are some of the people that you look back and go, God, this person really made a huge impact on my life? Well, besides my family, I mean, I always, you know, my mom and dad and my brothers and sisters were always huge supporters and always there for me. I mean, that's the number one fan and people I love in the world. So they're number one by far. But you know, you, you got teammates you look to. Uh, you got some friends you make up there. It, it's a it's it's a big trust system, and mm. when you're in that locker room, you, you trust each other, you know each other. I mean, you're you're with them more than your family. Yeah. They, they are your family. College yeah. pros doesn't matter. That's your family. And it's brotherhood, yeah. and we all got each other's back. So it's pretty amazing that even when we come back to football reunions at U of A or Seattle, it's didn't even play with guys, but we're we're all the same. We're all brothers. We all get to know each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, we all went through the same battles. We all uh, know what's what, and it's it's pretty cool. I mean, when you meet guys for the first time, it could be, you know, a Hall of Famer. They don't care. Sure, They're, sure. You know, they treat you the same. So you're in Seattle, and you, and you think everything is everything's great. I'm here. I'm playing professional football. Uh, it, it's it's a huge honor. I mean, you, you got fans. You got people who love you. They think you're great. And then you end up at Buffalo. What happened in Seattle? Uh, that got released. Um, it's a business decision. It's a big business. I tell people all the time, they, you know, it's the NFL, the average player plays three years, back to what yeah. you're saying. And it's because of it's, if it's injury, you're not good enough. Yeah. Sometimes it's the financial side of it. You're going to keep someone younger making more money yeah. or making less money, I should say. Or it's your pension year. So uh, things like that. It's, it goes all goes factors, factors into it. But for me, I got released. Uh, it was my... Th- would have been my pension year that kept someone younger, I think, making less money, but that's part of the business side. And uh, I wasn't surprised. They, were, they drafted Bosworth and Tony Woods, a couple guys that were linebackers, and I uh, still thought I had a pretty good shot, but they went with someone else that was younger, and that's part of the game. Then, uh, So how did you feel about that? I mean, because that's got to be like, that's got to be a hit. I know it's, it's, it, it's a hit. I mean, it's got to be like, wow, I'm a good player. I know I can play here. I know I'm doing a good job. But they're getting rid of me. Yeah, I mean it's it's an ego buster. But I mean, yeah. and, and you don't know what what am I going to do next? Right. I have no right. I have no plan. Right. Just played football, and that's all I've done. That's all I know. But I was fortunate enough uh, 
Buffalo picked me up on waivers the next day. So yeah. the next day I flew out to Buffalo and st- started practicing with them. Walked, got there about noon and started practice at two. Wow, wow. Yeah, so it was a, but it's it's a, it's a hard transition, but you don't know. If, is someone going to like me good enough to pick me up? I might have to go try out with some other teams, go to another training camp with another team. You just don't know. Well, and, and thinking, you know, going back and realizing that probably in high school, college, or certainly high school, junior college, college, you were a top player. You were a star. You were the guy. And then all of a sudden, Seattle says, you're good enough to draft, but you're not good enough to keep. You take the ego hit. But 24 hours later, you're on a different practice field. So what was it like showing up in Buffalo? You were under Marv Levy, right? Yes, under Marv Levy. Played with, you know, the, the Jim Kellys, Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, all those Hall of Famers. Wow. Uh, Daryl Talley. Daryl Talley. Daryl and I still are good friends. Who was the running back up there? It was uh, well, we brought Thurman in my second year up there. Thurman Thomas. Yeah, but we had guys right. like Rob Riddick and Ronnie Harmon. That right. Were then. Wow. Uh, but it was it was weird. I mean, just, I got off the plane, went got my physical, got to Buffalo, walked into linebacker meeting room, just meeting guys to coach his players for the first time, and I mean, I I knew their names, but I didn't know them. Yeah. And just stepped in the meeting room, and fortunately for me. They used the same system and a lot of the same technology, right? Or uh, terminology, and uh, so it was pretty simple transition for me to learn because a lot of it was the same. So I lucked out that way. But you're just getting to know players, getting to know who's who there. Then, and then, like I said, half an hour later, later walked on the practice field and started practicting. Right, and then you're and that's game on. So and you're had a had a game there. Had a game two days later. So so you're in Buffalo and. Uh, you're there, what, two years? Yeah. Wow. And so what happened in Buffalo? When did, when did this all end for you? And, I mean, it's a great run. I mean, think about it. I mean, again, 1%, less than 1% of all college athletes will ever play professional sports. And for you, it's the average life of the NFL is three years. You play five years. Yeah. You earn a pension. You've qualified for your pension. But now it's over, right? Correct. And what happened? I mean, that's got to be like well, that's that's the big question. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised I got cut. I think the linebackers. I mean, Kearney's Bennett, Daryl, they're all surprised I got released. But it's was, it was the business side of it again. Yeah, the rookie make, and he only lasted a couple of weeks, and they went a different direction. That's right. that's part of the game. That's part of life. You know, you have to change your course. And it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. I mean, I just bounced around a little bit, then I lucked into what I do now, and and uh, love doing it. Yeah, but it, it takes a it takes a while because it's big hit on your you, you're not look you're you're not thinking what am I going to do next because you don't think that way. You think no, you're, you're in the moment. Yeah, you're in the moment. I mean, you're in the NFL. You're in the moment. So looking back, I mean, I, I always do this on the breakthrough zone. Looking back, what do you what do you think are maybe one or two of the biggest breakthroughs that you had as far as it could be a mental breakthrough? Most of the time, it is. You know, we. You know, we, we're, we're conditioned to doing something. It's it's really no different than somebody who's been in, you know, corporate America for 15 years, and one day they say, hey, we got some good news and some bad news. Good news is someone just bought the company. Bad news is they didn't buy you, right? So what was that like? What were some of the breakthrough moments you look back that you see that really changed your trajectory, where you could have gone down one road, but this happened, this happened, that led you to uh, where you're at today? And of course, there's probably a lot of things that way. But uh, the first thing was deciding to go to junior college. I was all okay. this, all this, Wisconsin wanted me to walk on. I knew I was better than that. Um, the state schools, they're all Division three, Division two school state schools. I could have gone, played basketball and football, any one, any one of those schools, but 
my goal was to play major college football because I thought I was good enough. There you go. So you had a belief system that there was unquestionable. I am not going to settle because I know I'm good enough to play D1 football, and I'm going to do it. Absolutely. And I'm not sure how that's going to happen, but I know I'm going to get there. Yep. And then when went to junior college, like I said, then all of a sudden I, the light bulb, clicked, light bulb clicked over my head and learned what to do. And, and uh, when you don't think when you're playing, it just comes naturally. That's, yeah, that's yeah. when that's when it's that's when it's good. Yeah. So you're on the you're on the you're on the uh, you're playing in the NFL. You're not you're probably not the fast guy on the team, but far, far from it. <laughs> far from it, right? So I remember one time you told me you just you just knew where the ball was. Tell me about that. You just knew where the ball was because that's kind of a metaphor for success in life. You arrived at the same time in the area where the ball was. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, some guys were a step faster than me. But it was preparation. You know, you looked at a formation. You looked at down and distance. And we we have very in depth scouting reports. Yeah. And we call our defenses on that. And yeah. it, if I had an idea, saw a formation, had an idea, I see a guy leaning away, an offensive lineman to give a little tip here and there, and you just learn those things by watching film and studying. And just like any job, you have to study your job right. and, and work at it. And uh, you get little tips that way, what happens. And I would take advantage of that. Yeah, we talk about, like, I talk a lot, and I coach this, I teach this all the time, that, you know, 80% of success is, is between your two ears, 20% skill. And I would imagine that's probably true in the NFL as well, right? There's no question. I mean, there's guys I beat out every year that were twice the athletes I were. Yeah. And there's some great athletes that never played in the NFL because they couldn't learn the system or, yeah. was, or selfish, wanted to do it their way or just whatever it was. Yeah. And if you – it's a team. And if one guy screws up, th- they get a touchdown. That's not good. Right. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a big mental process. And like I said, there was a lot of guys that were twice the athlete I was, but I beat them out easily because I knew what was going on. Yeah. And you see players like, I mean, I'm not going to name names here on the show, but, you know, we see players, we saw a big meltdown uh, towards the end of last season. I mean, you know, here's someone who's making millions of dollars, awesome talent, amazing athlete, but can't get their head right. I mean, yeah, that was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It was, it was different. Uh, yeah. A wide receiver in Tampa Bay will say, <laughs> "Yeah, we'll uh, say it, it, it was it was guy. different. I've never seen that. T- you know, taking yeah. off your shoulder pads and walking off the field. I mean, you just quit on your teammates. You just quit on your teammates. And yeah. you know, maybe there was other issues we don't know about. But as a as a teammate, yeah. you quit. You quit on me. You're not part of my team anymore. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about that. We're going to talk about because I always I always use sports metaphors all the time. I mean, I think that. Like, I'm a believer that every kid should play sports because it's not that they're playing sports. It's that they're learning how to interact with other people. They're learning about a team. They're learning what it means to have somebody's back. It's about loyalty. It's about we all have to execute. We know in the NFL, any 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 league, it's a matter in peewee football. If everybody does their job, everybody plays a touchdown. How boring would that be? <laughs> so you're going to have to have these – these these uh, these these breakdowns, but when you take the you take that the the locker room mentality. Let's just talk about the locker room. Let's talk about the team for a minute. And how do you see that playing into like what you do today? Because you're on a team today. It's just different. Absolutely, yeah. We have a great sales team. We have to work together. I mean, I'm not very good at t- technology, but I go to my people and say, Hey, can I get some help? They they all raise their hand and jump and run over and help me because they know I don't know that. They'll right. help me out and help. It helps the company, and that's what it's all about: helping each other out and helping the company make money and do their job. 
And it carries from sports, what you're saying earlier, though, it's amazing where as a young kid, I remember my, my daughter started playing softball when she was like seven years old, but about 10 years old, she started playing more serious competitive softball for club. And they had practice at six in the morning. I said, what do you think your friends are doing this morning? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're sleeping and then they'll go, then what? They'll go play video games and watch TV while you're out here in 100 degree weather practicing for four hours. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's about discipline. It's about, you know, being there for your teammates, for yourself. Yeah. It's, you really learn a great lesson by playing sports or any, any team. I don't care if it's band, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, you, you depend on each other and you have to be there. It's discipline early on in life that you learn what to use. I think that's why a lot of people like to hire athletes because they do have discipline. They, they have a format. They, that's how they work. That's your brain set. Yeah, that's true. It, it's it, it's the same way with the military. I mean, people like to same hire concept, yep. veterans because they just have a work ethic and they have a discipline and all those things. Those are things that they're not things we're born with. So many people think, well, John Kaiser, you know, he's just, he was born a natural athlete. That may be true. You may have been physically born to be an athlete. Your daughter was physically, she came from your genes, right? Yep. So, but she had to put in the work. She she was out there on the field. I mean, I remember we met you guys in Tempe a few years ago at Marcos Deniza High School on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Game one of a doubleheader. It's like 109 out of like, this is inhumane. <laughs> but that's that's that process, right? That she had to, she made that commitment. She made that decision. And I I don't think you guys ever you guys ever really forced her to play. She just how did that process work? I mean, with you her, know, and every year the parenting piece of it. Yeah, every year I would ask her, "Do you still love to, like to play softball?" She goes, "Yeah, I love it." I go, "Okay," but I said, "Because well, once you start something, you're not quitting it." Yeah, and I mean, if you get injured or something major happens, that's different. But once you make a commitment, to something you're not quitting that commitment. Yeah, and so every year I would ask her that, and finally, about when she was. Eighth grade, maybe freshman in high school, stop asking me that. I love it. Don't ask me that anymore, please. So I stopped. Right. But I would ask her that every year because I wanted to make sure she was doing this for herself, not because we liked watching her do it. Yeah, and so many parents, I used to see this back, back going back to my coaching American Legion baseball, his parents were just, and they were ruthless. I mean, they would, they'd be in the stands. They would be telling me how to take care of the pitcher's arms, and, you know, because they all had this, 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 they wanted it more than their kids. They, they were living vicariously through their kids. And I think we see that happen a lot with, you know, people, you know, they want it more. They want their kid to be a star. They want them to be a movie star. They want them to be an athlete. They want, but they don't necessarily teach them or hold them capable to what it takes to do that. I mean, we all want to go out and be successful, but I mean, so what was it, what was a point like in your life where you started to question yourself you started to go okay man is this it is this is this it does it get any better than this and and then what happened right because we all have those moments yeah i mean i it's hard to answer that one john because it's i always had confidence in myself i always thought i could yeah. do it uh but you know growing up in high school you'd watch the pro athletes you go boy i'd like to do that someday but you don't really think you're going to do it yeah uh, even yeah. through college i never really thought about playing in the nfl uh, nowadays, it's kind of changed a little bit, but back then, I was never worried about that. You were it, surprised when you got drafted, right? A little bit? or I, you I just... wasn't really surprised, uh, but I wasn't positive I was going to be drafted. Right, that's what I mean. You but, didn't know for sure. It wasn't a certainty. Yeah, it wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't an overall yeah. one. I mean, some guys said, you know, some writers wrote I was an overachiever. I would say thank you. 
I'd rather Appreciate be it. I'd rather be an overachiever than underachiever oh, all day long. For sure. And he yeah. said, I don't think you know, they said I don't think he'll get drafted because he's this, this, and this and that. He's not big enough, he's not fast enough, he's not I've always been told I'm not. And I yeah. say I say, screw you, yes I am. So not motivate you. Like Absolutely. when somebody says you're not, then you go, Oh hell yeah, I am. Let me show you. Yeah, let me show you, right? Yep. And yeah. that's your daughter. Yeah. Okay, by the way, right? <laughs> and, and, and it is a mentality, but yeah. you can't let people bring you down. You yeah. got to, you know, some every, every, yeah. someone's always going to criticize you. Someone's always going to say you're not good enough. Who yeah. cares about them? Yeah. It it's, what I, it's what I feel and what my people I work with and my teammates feel like, and that's all that matters to me. But once I got to college, I never thought about playing the NFL. I just played, and if it's there, it's there. Then mm-hmm. I get drafted. It's like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And then walked in the locker rooms. Okay, I can do this. I'm good enough. Even yeah. though I was told I'm not big enough and fast enough again, or I run funny pigeon-toed and bow-legged. You know, I didn't care. I can do it. Yeah. I know I can do it. Yep. See, and that's that supreme confidence. And confidence is something that you just you just develop, and you develop it over time based on small steps, right? Little wins. It's little wins. Everybody thinks it's one big win, but success in life, doesn't matter if it's business, sports, it's a series of small victories. It's like this little ladder you climb up. And, you know, I was talking the other day about it, or I was writing a quote this morning before I came over here, and it was, I don't remember exactly what it was, but word for word, but it was basically saying that, you know, in life you're going to, you're going to have people that support you and you're going to have people that want you to fail. You're going to have people that expect great things from you and you have people that expect you to fail. And But the bottom line is that, you know, you need to walk away. If, you, if, you, if you're not wanted at that table, leave. Get out of the room because that's not your tribe. Those aren't your people. Go seek out people who are supportive, people who are, you know, I know being around your family as much as I have, you, you have an amazing support system. It starts with your mom. I mean, your mom is, like, amazing, and she's, she's what, now 87, and yeah. she's still just – trucking along and she's, she's still the boss she's still the boss it's un- unquestionable i'm always in her good graces so i'm great <laughs> <laughs> i'm always grateful for that but but it's one of those things where it starts with that that family too you have a great support system brothers and sisters and um so how'd you meet your wife well in the in the business she sold homes for uh, us home that which became lennar and i just happened to walk in the office once and we were set up and uh from that point on, we've been married for 23 years. Uh, it'll be 24 this year. Wow. So, yeah, wow. just uh, through the industry, and we just kind of clicked and yeah. dated for two years and, and decided to get married. And she's another because so so much we, we've talked about so much about, you know, your daughter and, you know, you're being in the NFL, so she kind of has an idea what preparation looks like and commitment. But but your wife, uh, Ariza, un- is amazing. Unbelievable. She's unbelievable. amazing. She is one of the, one of the most – determined, deliberate work ethics of yeah. anyone I know. I mean, she's just, and so you, between the two of you, this is another good example of, you know, effective parenting is between the two of you, you've been able to, you know, you can tell, I mean, not only is your daughter a great athlete, she's an honor student and not and, only. And that's all Risa, not none of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it takes, I, I'll disagree there because I, I think it takes two, but I, but that's an example where, you know, it comes down to again parenting, and so so many times what we have in today's uh, today's world is we have we have surrogate parents, we have the chat rooms, the internet, and and I think a lot of parents are really not in touch with with their kids, and I and I think that a lot of kids are just kind of out there trying to figure things out on their own. And I had a conversation with somebody this morning, my eight o'clock client, and we were talking about this very thing, and. 
you know, she's got a, she's, she's, you know, she's got, uh, you know, a family member and, and, and it's, you know, kind of, you know, going through some stuff right now. And it, and it's one of those things where, you know, the awareness of parents really being in touch with their kids at, and a lot of times if, if you, if you're promoting awareness and you're really encouraging your kids to be aware, then, you know, they're going to feel comfortable in talking with you and they're going to feel comfortable that they can bring things to you. And I think it's so important. I mean, it's it's so that. true. And my, our daughter can, you know, I mean, Reese is a wonderful mother, great wife, but our daughter could talk to both of us on different situations. She feels she mm. was comfortable. Me, more of the sports side of things, uh, more of the life side of things, maybe more with her mother because the female side of it. Yeah. Uh, but there's that trust level back to that, what you're talking about. There's a lot of trust with each other and we trust her. She trusts us and she'll tell us when things are bad or great. And, yeah. and we try to support her and help her out. We never go without a day without telling each other we love each other. Oh, wow. Care, yeah. Every day we hang, talk, talk to our daughter. It's love you. Every day. Yep. Yeah. Pretty and that's, close. Pretty it's close. so important yep. because I think that, you know, so many times we, we just kind of take things for granted, right? We just, it's just human nature. We take for granted. We're going to drive down here, do this show. We're going to drive out of here first day, last day, right? Yep. Don't want to get dark and bleak here in the breakthrough zone, but <laughs> but the reality is it's first day, last day, right? So so what if, if, if I put you on the hot seat here and say, okay, to our listeners here, what would be one like life tip that you would put out? I want, there, there's somewhere today, there's somebody who's, you know, out there that's going, I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know. It may be an 18 year old who doesn't to where you were, you know, I know I can play. I don't know how I'm going to get there. It may be somebody who's 50 years old going, you know, I'm in the middle of a transition. I absolutely have no idea how I'm going to get through this. Um, what would you tell them? You know, you, you got to find your passion and love what you do and enjoy what you do. And, uh, I mean, it, you just got to believe in yourself. If, you know, I don't care if other people don't believe me. I know I can do it. And, and you really have, a, have to have a strong belief in yourself and a trust in yourself. And the people, you know, my friends, they're people I trust and know. And I don't want to bring in, don't want to say crappy people, but I don't want negative people in my life. No, and and no. that just brings you down. So you got to, you surround your people that are, should be like you. Mm. And that's, I think it's important to surround yourself with that and uh, just believe in yourself and work hard. If Go get it. I mean, you're not going to get it if, if you don't try it. How do you know? You're going to fail sometimes, but if you don't try it, how do you, you got to go try to get it. If you don't, if you never try to get it, you're never going to get it. So how many times did you fail? I fail every day. Every day, right? Absolutely. Every day you fail. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I don't know who it was, but I was reading. I don't it. let it bring me down, though. I don't let it control my life. I move on. Learn from it. Learn from it and get better. Yeah, I can't remember. I, was, I think I was sharing this on a show a couple weeks ago. I don't know who wrote this, but they were talking about. How every day they'd sit out at the dinner table and the dad would go around to each of the kids and go, what'd you fail at today? I think it was Sarah Blakely, actually, who is the founder of Spanx, a female. She built a huge company. She's a billionaire. But I think it was her. Her dad would go around the table and ask each kid, what did you fail at today? What was your biggest failure today? And they all had to come up with something, right? And they'd go, what did you learn from it? There so, you go. So those are two of the biggest questions. Like, what did you fail at? What what can we... Uh, what did you learn from it? Because we're going to fail. We're going to make, you know, even during like, you know, a, a podcast like this, are we going to get, is everything going to go perfect? No. Is is everything going to, you know, am I going to, I was in the middle of a course last night. I have this great story and, and people are going to hear this that we're on the course last night and kind of laugh, but I'm at this great story and I'm to the point of the entire story 
which was, and all of a sudden I completely spaced out. I completely were like, oh my God, I have no idea what's what I'm saying next. And I had to play it in my mind and I'm watching because I've got them all on square. So I'm watching people are kind of looking at me. And all of a sudden I remembered, oh, the story was when I was running track, I would always focus on the finish line from the time I came out of the blocks. And back then I was kind of a pretty quick kid and I'd finish. But if I made the mistake of looking just for just a split second to see where somebody else was, I would lose the race. Yeah, you can't control what other people do. You cannot control. You can only focus on that finish line. Just like when you came out of high school, you said, I'm not going to take these offers because I know I'm better than this. And I'm not sure where I'm going, but it's going to be, I can play at D1. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny you said forgetting something. I remember when I was in Seattle, I went to a concert, a major artist, I won't mention the name, playing in the Kingdom, and during one of his huge hits, and he goes, Oh, damn, I forgot the words. Right. It happens. Right, it, it happens. They're humans. And yeah. he started over and played, yeah. then he sang it fine. He just went, oh, went yeah. brain dead. You know, it yeah. happens. That's life. Yeah. You, start, you, know, you made a mistake, you say it, and move forward, and let's go. Yeah, and that's where I would have I had to be last night if all of a sudden it took me about 30 seconds. And, of course, my wife, Diana, was on the screen, so I could see her, and I start seeing the panic on her face. Because yeah, I built to this moment, and now I can't remember what that. It's like telling a joke, you know, forget the punchline, right? So <laughs> yeah, it happens. But you're going to do that. It's human nature. We're going to make mistakes, and I think, you know, going back to your point a second ago too about, you know, you surround yourself with people who are uplifting and are positive. You don't have room for negative people in your life. You know, I have a big thing I call my life advisory board. Those five to seven people that are your core people, right? You know that those people. They're there for you. They genuinely want you to win. And and those are the people that we want to bring into our lives. And just like you had a lot of good coaches, I'm sure you had some bad coaches. Absolutely. I mean, I know I did when I played. I had some bad coaches. But you play through it. You play with it. You don't use it as an excuse to quit. You just go, this is a bad coach. But if I keep going, I'm going to find a better coach and then a better coach. Who is the best coach you ever played for? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, I play for so many great ones. One that sticks out, and you said, okay, if I had to rank them. Um... Well, our, our our defense coordinator in Seattle, Tom Catlin, was just an amazing man. Okay. Just just not a coach, but a man, too. And uh, he would sit and talk to you, put you through it, very mild-mannered, kind of mm-hmm. a belly-laugh type guy, just so yeah. he's really a straight shooter. And he really taught me how to become a better player and a better person. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But head coaches, I mean, Larry Smith was amazing. Chuck yeah. Knox is a whole nother – he's a hard – hard-nosed guy where Marv Levy was a, a Phi Beta Kappa. Yeah. So they're all different types of guys. Larry Smith was an emotional, rah-rah guy, and Chuck was a hard-nosed guy, and Marv was a genius. And so it's all different types. It takes all different types to, to get you there. In life, it, yeah. it does. You're going to – and that's the, that's the thing. I kind of want to close on this thought is that in life, we're, we're going to – we're going to have to interact, work with, interact with, live next door to – all kinds of different people, right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny what I do now with I'm a sales for Fidelity Title, and there's real estate agents that I will not work with because they're not my personality. I, I don't yeah. like negative people, yeah. and I'd rather find someone else to work with and work with someone like that. Yeah, and that's it, a powerful choice. Yeah, it's hard. I'm turning down business, but I don't want the headaches of having to put up with someone. Yeah, but if if it, if 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 you're in a situation like that and it's not in alignment with your beliefs and values, yeah. It's not going to work. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, right? So, like I say, you know, the, the most important, you know, couple most important decisions you make are what do you focus on and who do you spend your time with? 
those two things. John, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you you being on the show today. And uh, it's awesome. And I look forward to, uh, you know, spending time with you. Hopefully we get to grow old together. So, you know, hang out. No question. So, but I appreciate you. Thanks for being on the Breakthrough Zone. Awesome story. And uh, until next time, folks, appreciate you being here in the Breakthrough Zone. That's it for this week. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. Until then, everybody take care. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. To learn more about John, visit johnpageburton.com. See you next time in the Breakthrough Zone. This podcast is a Live the Dream Media production.